Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors on staff at the Ridge, and our vision is to bring the hope of Jesus into every home. So as a piece of that, our goal each week is to bring you something that's hopeful and helpful. So subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Ridge Community Church Podcast. If you find today's episode hopeful and helpful, then please follow or subscribe and then rate and review so that more people can find the conversation. In today's episode, we're talking about something that is way more common than most people realize and yet doesn't get talked about very often, which is why we thought it was really important to talk about. And that's miscarriage. Mark and Donna White joined me to share their story of what it was like to go through multiple miscarriages, how they healed from that loss, what you can do to support someone going through that, and more. This interview is the first half of my conversation with them before we talked about their overall infertility journey and then choosing adoption. That part of the conversation will be on next week's podcast episode. But this is the first half of my conversation with Mark and Donna. Well, hi, Mark and Donna. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Good to see you, bud. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Now, I didn't prep you for this first question, but since you guys are together on a couple on this, I have to ask, how did the two of you meet? <laughs> you this, is, this is not a good story. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> oh, That's no. Script, John. Oh, this is not a good story. I'll just let her tell it. <laughs> We actually have known each other for 30 years in October of this year. And my twin sister was dating one of Mark's best friends at that point. So we met in that way. And we weren't following Jesus at the no, time. No, we were not okay. following Jesus at the time. Gotcha. That's not so bad, Mark. That was that was succinct and, well, and, and good. And yeah, I, <laughs> I, I won't I won't ask up follow-ups on that. If you want people to stay at the church, you may not want to Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, would you, would you guys, would you mind sharing maybe a, a brief overview? Hold on, before you start asking questions, you know, I, in the past, you've just asked me to come on this stuff. I mean, was I doing something wrong before that you had to, to, to bring Donna on? I mean, what was, what was going on here? Well, if I want to keep my job, I shouldn't answer that incorrectly. So, uh, no, <laughs> no, I, so I think that there's a, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, this is great. Like I said, oh, I love man. it. I'm the fact checker. Yeah, she's the fact. That's okay. good. Good. Yeah. It's the first That's time right. doing it. It's going to be great. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's a power in, in a couple story and how they both walk through it and how different perspectives are the same situation. I think, you know, we all experience life a little bit differently. And so two different sides of it, I think are really powerful. I know your both of your story is, is really powerful and quite the journey of how you kind of walk through everything uh, regarding just this desire to have children and raise children and eventually ending up in uh, adopting three. Would you, would you share maybe like a little brief story of, of I mean, an overview of what that journey was like? Well, I, we, um, so when we got married, we, uh, you know, a lot of couples will, start having kids maybe three or four years, at least at that time. Okay. We married uh, going to be 27 years. Uh, but we waited till about six or seven years. Eight years. Yeah. Eight years. And uh, then we, we started to, you know, try to have kids and um, we, we would get pregnant 
And then we couldn't make it past the first trimester. And we had uh, three miscarriages. One of them, uh, uh, we thought we had made it past actually the first trimester. And then all of a sudden got the news that uh, the baby wasn't alive. It was devastating for us. In two of the pregnancies, we actually had heard the heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the one down had to have a DNC. And, and so, um, you know, we're kind of walking through that since we had three miscarriages. And then we were going through an adoption process in between all that, where, uh, uh, long story short, uh, we were told about an opportunity to adopt. And uh, we're walking through that process. The mother gave birth and uh, had pretty much said, hey, you know, we'll sign over the rights now. The the, the little dude was uh, born brain dead. And, uh, you know, we got to go see him. And he, he died, I think it was two days after. And so it was a real dark time for us as far as that whole process is concerned. Yeah. And then eventually you guys were able to successfully adopt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah. We actually had been in the process of moving to California and we didn't realize that you can't start the adoption process until you're situated in your home because a social worker will come in and make evaluations and basically give you the thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew about the orphanage. It's called the Home of God's Love in Taiwan. And Mark had actually is um, really good friend, our, our really good friend. His sister had adopted through there. So we had actually applied for adoption, I think, probably... Just before we left for California? Right, just mm-hmm. before we left for California. So it was probably about five months and we hadn't heard anything at all. But then we met with the couple that run the orphanage. They had, were visiting California because they're from the U.S. and were on furlough basically to come back. And that's we had lunch with them and we just kept going forward from that point. Yeah, it was funny because uh, so we're, we're uh, out in California and the head of the orphanage, as Donna said, was out there, which we didn't know. So it's all of a sudden, you know, you see God kind of ordained this whole thing because he reaches out to us and he's like, hey, I heard you guys are in California. Do you want to have lunch? And we're like, oh, man, he's, you know, he's here. We had met him. And so we go for lunch. This is great. I told the story actually a couple of weeks ago uh, during one of the messages. And I said, <laughs> so we're sitting at lunch and he goes, OK, um, we have he gives us a picture of these twin baby boys. Mm-hmm. And he tells us the story behind him and he goes, um, these are your sons if you want them to be. And Donna goes, yes, right there. <laughs> and I go, well, shouldn't we talk about it? No. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's They're amazing. our sons, you know, because Donna had uh, been journaling and praying and she really felt like God placed on her heart that we were going to adopt twins. Yeah. So the boys were yeah. actually, I had one of the miscarriages. I basically had written in a journal knowing you God, you bless us with twins. <laughs> so yeah. it was surprising to hear the opportunity we knew God was looking out for us in that way. I didn't. She did. Of course. <laughs> I came along, which was good. Which was good. <laughs> they were born within a week of when I had written that in a journal. Yeah, that's wow. right. So, so during the eight years, you guys kind of waited to to try to to have kids. What was what were your emotions leading into that? Like, what like were you really excited about the possibility of of having kids? Was that something you had dreamed of? Was or was it kind of a different emotion around it? I think I was really ready to have kids sooner. Um, Mark's a little bit older, younger than me. So we wanted to probably not experience that as soon as I did, but I've always wanted to, um, wanted to have kids. Yeah. I think for me, it was just the, the, not that everybody, okay. So when I say this, this is not, this is what everybody goes through. Uh, but for me, it was a selfishness. I just didn't want to interrupt my routine and wanted to be able to do what I wanted to do and all that stuff. And so, um, and I think maybe even a little bit of fear of like, you know, okay, there's, 
mm-hmm. you're taking care of, you're responsible for a, you know another human being and all that stuff. So I think there's a mix yeah. of all. So you finally decide, okay, we're, we're going to have kids. What was, was miscarriage? Was that ever something that you had had talk, talk to you or share? Like what, how aware of that concept were you? I hadn't talked to a lot of people. Um, we did one time when, when Mark was in seminary though, we had a couple that went through it. Mm-hmm. So we kind of knew what would happen physically. Cause I was with a, um, a really good friend when it happened, but I don't think we ever anticipated, um, it took a while for us to get pregnant and we were actually in the adoption process and people always say, well, once you know you're going to adopt, then you get pregnant. So at first when I was pregnant, I didn't even know I was and I was working with someone that already had a child and she goes, you need to go get a pregnancy test. <laughs> yeah. It was a complete surprise because we had tried for so long to become pregnant. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I wasn't, I never even thought about it. Okay. And, and then what's really fascinating is after you have one, And then all of a sudden you see that there's all these people around you that have had one and you didn't know about it until you have one. Mm -hmm. And you're like, whoa, this is a lot more common than you realize. And I, especially with the first one, you're so excited about getting pregnant. Okay. So that's all you're thinking about and all that stuff. And so it's just, you know, blindsides you, it's devastating. And then you read the stats. It's like one out of five uh, miscarry. And it's just like, wow. I mean, it's, it's just a really high it's a lot more common than we realize. Why do you think it's something that's kind of, I don't want to say swept under the rug because that sounds like hidden, but why do you think it's something that's not talked about or, or shared more? I would guess, I don't know what you think. I mean, I, I would guess that it's not something that, I mean, how do you talk about it? Okay. And where are those yeah. channels? But I think there's a little uncertainty with that. I think there's, I, I noticed this, and I think this is a very common reaction. Okay. So it's when, when you get pregnant for the first one, I mean, you're telling everybody and then all of a sudden you have a miscarriage and it's so devastating. And then you have to, you know, let everybody know that you told that this happened and all that stuff. So that just even makes it more painful and difficult because you're always telling it. And then if you get pregnant again, the reaction is I'm not telling anybody. Mm. So there's automatically this, you know, walls up, so to speak, because I don't want to have to, if something happens, then, so to answer your question, I think, John, I think there's a, I don't know what to do with it. And I don't want to repeat the last, I don't want to repeat what I did last time. And so I think there's all these mixed emotions and it's not something that you post, you know, people are always posting their highlights on social media. You don't hear a lot of people posting stuff like that. And so yeah, not a lot of platforms to talk about it as well. And I think from a female's perspective, it was hard in the way of wondering, well, why can't I carry the baby to, to, to full term? Like it was, it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. We struggled personally uh, with that for sure. And I mean, just as a couple and stuff like that, we struggled with that. Not because it was when, you know, the, the, the Donna's going to deal with it because differently than me, obviously, because, you know, she's carrying and she's got all, she's more attached than me, so to speak, because I'm not carrying. And then when it happens, the whole time I'm thinking about how do I protect my wife? and care for my wife and she's wanting, you know, different emotions. And so there was a lot of conflict that we had during that time, just because we had a hard time just really getting on the same page. It was difficult for sure. Mm-hmm. So Mark, I want to, I want to come back to something that you mentioned there about the side as like a husband, but, but Donna, I'm curious, were you able to to tell people, were you like, how did they react? Did you feel like supported during that time? What was that like? Um, 
we had a small group that they actually cared for me because when I had the first miscarriage, Mark was in the Dominican Republic. So he was trying to get back as fast as possible. And we didn't have family that lived by us. So they came and basically cared for me. But it was it was very physically and emotionally very, very good. Is there something that you wish... Would, was there anything that you wish like maybe would have been could have been shared with you or said to you or or was shared that was really helpful? We did have someone there was one couple that she actually had went through a miscarriage, so she spent a lot of time with me and it helped just have me with me. Yeah. yeah, I think it's something that when it happens, the and I think this is a lot just even with when bad things happen to us, okay. Our initial reaction is to withdraw and and hide it and it's you know hey we'll get past it and just time heals all wounds which is not necessarily true uh it's so i I think just to have the people as donna was saying i mean god really blessed us with just the right people and even just the people that cared for her when i was in the dominican man i found out i always remember this i get a phone call we have to pull over i'm crossing the border into haiti Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden hey uh you need to call home and then you you find out your wife has a miscarriage and you can't do anything. You can't be there. You're in another country. And it's just like, what? It was very difficult. So to have the community of people that we had, that we invested in close friends. And these were young guns, man. These were people in their 19, they were 19, 20 year old. And this group that we had invested in, and they were just fantastic. And I just, I mean, what God's, we need, you need community. You need community. How, how were they were able to support you? That was so helpful. Was it just like presence? Was it, did they bring you food? Like, what did that look like? They did both. <laughs> presence yeah. and food. They stayed. They yeah. stayed with her. They stayed at the mm-hmm. house. Um, one of our really close friends, he actually came and stayed overnight. He was supposed to speak at a church the next day. And his name was Greg. And he came and stayed with me. He didn't it happened. Because we went to the emergency room. And then he had told all the other People in our small group and that one couple showed up at the yard too. So she went in the exam room. Yeah, they did a rotation and they they would um, one of them would stay there and then the other would leave, stay there. And they were just, I mean, I mean, it's just a godsend. It's just great. And they didn't know. They didn't know. When that's all happening, what are your prayers like? I'm sure there's like anger and uh, what is there? There's mean madness, of, maybe withdrawn. It was disappointment a lot in God because um, we had waited. It took like two and a half years for me to get pregnant. And then, to, um, yeah, it was, it was disappointment. Probably anger, too. Yeah, I was disappointed. Very angry that Mark wasn't with me. Yeah. Just to have his support and comfort and just to be with me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was angry at God. I was, I was probably angry for a while. Yeah, I, I was... I'm the intellectual thinker. Okay. So I'm going like, I know all the theological answers, you know, like, okay, you know, we're living a broken world. Okay. So, you know, I, in my mind, I'm through all that, but that doesn't necessarily make you feel better. Yeah. So, you know, to take that and go, yeah, it's really important in times like that. And when you read the Psalms and stuff like that, to open up with God and go and share your disappointments and anger and, and that be a part of the process with God. It actually invites him into the process. And so I think it's just, that was really important for us. Is that part of the healing process? If, if you'll go one of people go one or two extremes when things happen to us. Okay. You either stiff arm God and push him away and he doesn't move away. We just push him away 
or we invite them in. And the way we invite them in is just like in any, as, as we always say, vulnerability creates connection. And so to go to God and go, you know, God, this sucks and this hurts. And I, I don't understand why you couldn't help us just carry this through. And, you know, you could have, and you, you know, da, 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 da. that's just really important. But then to get to a place of going, and this takes time. Okay. Get to a place with God and go, okay, God, but I'm still going to trust you. Man, God is zoomed into you, man, when we do that. He's right there. He's right there. He, he just really feel just the grieving of God with you when you do that. I think I knew God was with us, too, because all the people and the support that we had, I mean, it was it was overwhelming. But it was it was so well, it was so needed at that point. Yeah, those are answers to prayer. I mean, God just kind of, once again, that's ways that God just, God always works through people one of the ways he always works and made that clear to work with people so after the first miscarriage that wasn't the last one there was two more that happened like you mentioned is the healing process any different as you have more than one because i'm sure it's like you start to heal a little bit and then it happens again you start to heal a little bit and it happens again it was disappointing in the fact which i didn't i didn't know this either night i had talked to somebody recently here at the ridge once you have a miscarriage, your body is so ready that if they basically tell you to wait, and if you don't wait and you try conceiving again, it, you get pregnant right away. Hmm. So it, it compounds it when you lose the second child so fast again. Yeah. In that, in the second miscarriage we actually had when we were in California, we were in a job interview. Hmm. Yeah, it happened during the the whole thing as we were out there for the final interview. But we were again seven. with really close friends, so it was supportive in that way too to have it happen with yeah that was right I, you know the um the the second one i mean after you have the first one you're all of a sudden you know you're you're a lot more cautious and you're like okay let's just get to that first first trimester let's just get through it you know and um and then the second one i, I know i mean you and i are different emotionally obviously i was numbered i think mm-hmm. in the second one I don't know how you were. You were yeah. <laughs> I was kicked in for protective mode again. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I got to protect my wife because I know it's going to be devastating on her. It was devastating on me, okay, but as a husband, I just want to protect her. And so you kind of kick into a different gear. Not necessarily the right one, but at the time it felt like it was right, the right one. Was it challenging? Like you mentioned, you kicked into protector mode. Did it feel like... Did it feel like you were able to get the support that you needed during that time? Or did it feel like kind of everything was directed towards kind of supporting Donna? Well, I, you know, they support people are great. People we had with us in, in our lives were great. I think just as um, I think, I think that as a husband, okay, I really feel strong. And as a, as a dad, okay. So I'd say this was the same thing. There's a, a part of our calling to be protectors of our family. Okay. And, um, so to be the, the protector of her and I was protecting, I was trying to protect her heart and I didn't want to have her to expend any more emotion on me because of just all the emotions that she was rightfully dealing with. Okay. So, um, so there's a part of that where, man, I got to protect my wife's heart and go through this process and to make sure she's loved and cared for. So I, I felt like I didn't need it, but I did need it. Okay. Because yeah. we always feel like we don't need it, but, but I did. But that's just how I I responded in that situation for her. 
So it's almost like the the focus of your attention is not on yourself. It's what can you do to protect her? Yeah. And protecting meaning how can I help to just so she can walk through this and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I'm curious, Donna, and maybe this is a hard question, but what did Mark do that was really helpful versus maybe what did he do that you wouldn't necessarily suggest people do again? When you go through that, your hormones are going up and down like you would not believe. <laughs> so <laughs> I needed my babes or just needed to cry and be by myself. I he allowed me to, or if I needed to get out and go for a walk, it just to be able to understand because you're not really sensible at that point is probably the mm. best way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. So your body, it takes a while to go back to normal for everything in your body. So I was probably not a very pleasant person to be around during that time period. <laughs> so he, he allowed me grace in that situation. <laughs> what didn't I do well? What did you do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was a hard time because there was so much else going on in our lives at that point too. Yeah. Well, I think our arguments yeah. stemmed from. Oh yeah. She she wanted to know that I was hurting like her. Yes. Okay. And so as I said, I'm in protective mode to just kind of you know I don't I don't want to grieve or you know uh, have to have her worry more than and hurt more than she already is because she sees me doing it. So yeah. there is some. Um, I still remember the the one time she said, well, I want to know that you care as much as I do. Mm. And, and so, and the idea I did, I just wanted to shelve that for her, but she yeah. didn't want me to shelve it. Yeah, I think one thing that was difficult for us and, and we did have people to, as a female, to have another female come alongside you and yeah. then spouse to be available for that because it's hard for us to connect in that way because Mark didn't physically go through a lot mm-hmm. of uh, things. Yeah, I can't understand. Yeah. Or our husband can't understand that. There's, right. they, they just can't. And so to have another female uh, as a part of that was huge. Yeah. It's huge. Mm. And it's okay to go, hey, I don't have to be the sole one to help you through this. It, I, I always do this with kids as well. We talk about this. It, your kids get to a certain age and it's like, okay, I don't care that if I'm the one that has to walk them or Donna's the one, but the right other person, if that's what they connect with, I use right other person, not just anyone. And if that's what they need, I just want them to be able to have the right people in their lives to walk with them through it. Yeah. And so sometimes that's just another, another woman. So when you were guys were able to finally like communicate on that and like share, like, like Donna, you're able to find to vocalize that you need to know that Mark was hurting. Was that a healing thing? Was that like able to like kind of uh, help some of that process once you finally figured out like you were communicating a little bit better? <laughs> oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> 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 At that point, you didn't really share a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was because he wanted to protect me, and he saw how yeah. much hurt I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, it, especially with the last. Um, pregnancy we should have been through our first trimester and then I started spotting the day of our appointment and I said I need you to go with me and he said well what's going on and I said I don't think everything's okay I said I need you to come with me and so Mark went to the point with me and I was I started in the scourge in the office when we were there we, we were we were was it 11 and a half weeks or something like that I mean we thought yeah we thought we were home free mm. so that one was a real shot in the gut I mean we, we thought we were home free and I'm then sure we you... in the process of moving to California and I had to have a DNC before we moved. 
we moved, we're moving like in three weeks to California. Mm-hmm. When you guys have couples that talk to you about these things, they talk to you about losing a child, what advice do you give them? Give yourself time to grieve and bring God into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 the kindness of God. He, you know, I heard someone say, it's like, I don't know who just said it, but God never wastes a hurt and uh, he'll use it if, you, if you're open to it. And God has brought us many, many couples throughout the years, uh, both for miscarriage and adoption. It's just the, and then the empathy factor obviously is just at a very high level, you know, because of that. Yeah. Is, is you've kind of touched on it throughout your story of the community and the friends that were there and supporting you. If someone right now they're listening and they have a friend that's just gone through this, what can they do? Our, well, the one really close friend that stayed with me when Mark was in the Dominican, he actually came to the hospital the morning mm-hmm. having our DNC and brought, a, brought more coffee and had like a little snack or something that I could have. But they, they just showed up when we didn't anticipate or expect them to in a way that was, it was, it was very wonderful. Yeah. I think from a, from a guy's perspective, a lot of times we want to, we struggle with situations like this because we want to solve the problem. Hmm. You know, we so how, tell me how to solve the problem. What can I do? And you know, that's, that's, you know, that's what I think about and all that stuff, but these are problems you can't solve. And so oftentimes we, we just were like, well, you know, I don't know what to do. We feel uncomfortable. And so we don't do anything or we throw up lines like, if you need anything, let me know, which then nobody lets you know. Okay. So I think a great thing to do is that you don't have to do much, just ministry of presence, as we call it in the church world. And ministry of presence is, hey, uh, you just being there, even if it's bringing coffee like Greg did. Or um, even if it's, hey, I'm going to bring you guys a meal tonight, or I'm going to place a phone call to you later, and I'm just going to ask you questions, and I'm just going to listen. Tell me what happened. What are you thinking about? What are you feeling right now? Uh, How can I pray for you? Oh, you don't have to pray for me. No, 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 no. This wasn't a question that didn't have an answer. This got a question with an answer. And you just do that. I'm telling you what, that's huge. It's huge for people. I think a lot of hesitation people have is this fear that they're going to say or do the wrong thing mm-hmm. is what would be a wrong thing? I guess would be my simple question there. Well, I think, I think a wrong thing is like we said, we, we throw out things. I do them. Everybody does them. Okay. So when I say that is, you know, if you need anything, let me know, um, shooting a text and instead of a personal reach out. Okay. I mean, there's a time for a text, but there's a time to, they need to hear your voice or see you. Hmm. And um, a text for us now, a lot of times, it's, when we're talking about situations like this, it's, okay, that's my, I, I've connected with them. No, you haven't connected with them. Hmm. Uh, this is where it's it's voice on voice. It's locking eyes. It's all that stuff. It's seeing faces. It's, it's, it's that. So, um you know, I, I just think that's really important, John. And, and so you can't go wrong with that. You, you can't go wrong, I think, if people know, I mean, obviously you could say something outrageous, but most people aren't going <laughs> to be there. But they're going to be there. And um, and if you're afraid of saying something wrong, I think you just call that out hmm. and go, hey, listen, if I say something, you just let me know because I don't want to say anything that 
that would would hurt you or, or make you feel uncomfortable in any way. So I think that's really important. Anything to add to that? Um, so I don't think it was said to us, but just that, oh, you'll get pregnant again. You know, like just to smooth things over. It, it's it's a grieving process. That God has a plan. People yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's exactly what you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> what you want to hear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the last thing you want to hear at that point, you know. Mark says too, just to be present. I mean, sometimes someone just wants someone, they don't want to be alone. Like Mark went back to work and I obviously had time off. I just wanted someone to be there. Like when I woke yeah. up, that someone was still there. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Doesn't take much. Well, that was part one of my conversation with Mark and Donna. And I just want to thank them for being willing to share on such a hard and really close to the heart topic. There are three things that stick out with me from their journey. One, just being able to give yourself space to grief. Two, being honest with God about what you're going through. And then the incredible support that simply being present can bring someone in this situation. You can find more resources for this topic in the show notes, as well as the ability to reach out if you'd like to talk to a pastor about what you're going through. If this podcast episode was one that you found valuable or you know someone who you think could benefit from this conversation, I want to encourage you to share it with them. Now, as I mentioned, this was part one of the conversation. In next week's episode, Mark and Donna are going to share advice from their overall journey through not being able to have biological kids and deciding to adopt. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ridge Podcast, and make sure to follow and subscribe so that you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations. Thank you.